Ahoy there, Big Fact Freaks and No Cap Chaps, to another episode of Big Facts No Cap. The only podcast that's number one with rich guys with candelabras and poor farmers who are afraid of the chupacabra. I'm here, as always, with Paul. Let's get Big Factin'. Let's get No Cappin'. Big Facts. No. Cap. Big Facts. No. Cap. No Cap. Big Facts. No. Cap. Big Facts. No. Cap. No Cap. No cap. What's cracking? Not much. What's cracking with you? Is that how you can use that? Can you say that in a reciprocal way? Did you know the singular of cracking is what's cracko? <laughs> what's crack I with you is actually the grammatically correct version. Not a lot of people know that. Not a lot of people know that. How do you feel about Kraken uh, rum? I think whenever we got a little bit of extra tip money, that's one of the bottles that Phil and I would buy when we were at work at Tokyo Grill and drink throughout the night. Because it is shaped like a Kraken, which is very fun. Yeah, precisely. Yeah, that's how we... (laughs) All right, and now to keep us going with the speed round, how do you feel about the Kraken, the mythical creature that is also a cryptid? Oh, I just got that your intro about what's Kraken is um, (laughs) about the monster. Um, How do I feel about the Kraken? Uh, it's different than Cthulhu, right? But they look similar, or am I just like yeah, totally Cthulhu has like a kraken head, but then the body right. of just a big monster. Um, hmm. Do you think when Cthulhu says hello, he says what's kraken, or do you think he says what's bracken? I think I mean Cthulhu's Cthulhu's west side. He's, he's bracken. <laughs> <laughs> um. No. Yeah. Uh. I have no big opinions. I think the main association I have with the kraken is uh the rum. And then also, do you remember when the re-release, not re-release, what do you call it when they re-update something? When they reboot something. The reboot. We just did an episode on this. I should know this. They did a reboot of Clash of Titans, and uh, there was the really famous line in the trailer where uh, the person says, like, release the Kraken. And uh, that was, like, a a meme for a while in, like, high school. Mm. Where, like, someone in the, uh, when we were, like, getting ready... Uh, to go back to class after gym, someone would, the funniest guy in the room would come out of the bathroom and be like, huh, I just released the Kraken in there. And we would all laugh because <laughs> we understood the reference. And that it Dude, being about- the funniest guy in high school was such a tight energy. It was like being the coolest kid in middle school. Shout out Brock Nicoletti. It's a good gig if you can get it. <laughs> but back to mythical creatures. Mythical creatures, Adrian. How do you feel about them? Do you believe in any cryptids? Any well, it doesn't help creatures? when you when you call them mythical creatures. That kind of seems dismissive <laughs> out the gate. Do you believe in any cryptozoological creatures? Yeah. Put some goddamn respect on their name, bro. As a biologist, do you read any of the cryptozoologist journals? That's a good question. I wonder what the biggest cryptozoology journal is. <laughs> I just want to look that up and see what their impact factor is. Um I actually have no idea. I've never looked into the scholarly work because why would you? That sounds like boring shit. I'm trying to go <laughs> for like the fully history channel uh, mm-hmm. dude who's on ancient aliens type research. I think I will say this. I did read in an entomology um, article uh, magazine. I don't know what it's called. It's like a journal issue. Yeah, because I'm uh, I used to be a part of the Entomological Society of America they did a feature on a really famous biologist where cryptozoology was one of his like main hobbies was like going out into the woods to find Bigfoot. But he was like a reputable lionized scientist in, in his free time or not in his free time, in his main time. In his free time, mm. he was a cryptozoologist. He, he so could find exists. all the tiniest insects, but he couldn't find any of the biggest apes. That's <laughs> what I'm saying is that I think it's, it's kind of like what I've said before on previous podcasts where like the sphere and 
peaks of where, where you're allowed to be weird in ecology like being someone who's super into bigfoot is not considered like a oh you're no longer scientifically credible it's like a what a kooky old white dude who likes to wear sandals everywhere <laughs> yeah that's pretty cool i mean I, I i can see why like somebody who believes in it doesn't necessarily come off as insane or a lunatic it's like there are great apes this is just a pretty obviously fake one but it's not that different than something that could almost definitely exist I'll cut this out if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure one of the arguments they use is like a, like, you know, Western science wasn't aware of silverback gorillas until like the 1950s. And it's like, well, yeah, but like people in Africa were for a long time before that. But that's like one of the arguments is like, you can find gorillas even now in the modern day. So why wouldn't Bigfoot be uh, something that we could find? So I I think one of the things is that pygmy populations are actually considered to be a real thing. It's just any population that's height is under a certain threshold of, I think, like... Yeah, I think they exist in like Papua New Guinea and all the and some of those like oceanic islands. And actually, in in some Central African countries as well, certain tribes are classified as like pygmy people just because mm-hmm. their average height is pretty low. I don't consider them a mythical animal. <laughs> yeah, I also don't consider them a mythical animal. But I think maybe as a child I thought they were because there's also the mythical idea of pygmy people, which are like two inch tall people or whatever. Hmm. So there, it's both a real and mythical thing, I guess, similar to dwarves. I feel like similar I've really like stumbled people, on the most offensive yeah. way to, to talk about this. Might be. Let's reel it into something more um, neutral or uh, more whimsical that I think we've talked about before. But people who think that like narwhals or reindeer don't exist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, we had this conversation recently. I, I knew both those animals existed, but apparently I adhere too close to the side of thinking things are real because i also thought a jackalope was real Mm -hmm. which is a rabbit with horns like if you see a picture of a jackalope i don't know to me i would just pretty immediately like oh yeah i'm sure that's real yeah i think what was the thing that i said over the phone is that i think that you just really trust in the beauty of evolution to create amazing creatures (laughs) it's it's so mundane i think that's a very it's a very convergently evolved thing to have something weapon animal weapons this would be doug emlin's work where he talks all about animal weapons and how they have evolved in different systems. I think he mostly studies beetles, though. Yeah, it's not, like, crazy to think that that would happen. There's the uh, there's that starfish that has, like, lock on its tail. Fully <laughs> operational. <laughs> Nine millimeter. There's those birds that use uh, stalks of leek as a sword. There's those two divergent groups of antelope on both sides of a river that have divergent evolutions. One developed the trebuchet and the other the catapult. I feel like you would have known what I was referencing. What's like that animal that everybody always references? Like they were split by a river and now you can see on one side, it's always like this. And on the other side of the river, the population is always like this. There's a lot of stuff like that. Um, I think the one you're thinking of is um, uh, Japanese deer. Uh, The thing where it's like Japanese deer on the east side of the river talk like this. And Japanese (laughs) on the west side of the river talk like this. You know what I mean? (laughs) Where, like, one's really cool and suave and smooth, and the other population of deer is all nerdy and, like, (laughs) (laughs) Their horns developed into the shape of glasses, and nobody could figure out why. (laughs) Just thick-ribbed glasses without the the lenses. (laughs) Um, No, yeah, that's one of those things that people call a natural experiment, where you get, like, a naturally divided population that shows something interesting like that. But that's ecology. That's, like, grand-scale ecology. That's, like, real ecology. No, I don't do that. Oh, oh. 
You can tell I'm getting back into my work because I'm referencing science stuff way more than I ever have on the podcast. <laughs> I feel like I'm bringing it up for you too, but maybe it's because I that's got, what we're talking about off pod more frequently. So. I got full science brain now, bro. Oh. Let me get back to talking to the people about mythical creatures, about creatures around the world. Um, but that's the thing, right? I mean, it's not uh, that bad for this episode because that's the thing about cryptozoology. People bring a scientific veneer to it, or at least adherence claim it is a real justified science it's just uncovering something that hasn't been discovered yet i think they see themselves very similar to somebody who does like a a trip to find like a new type of insect in the rainforests you know what i mean like i think i'm more interested though in like the ancient alien type like there are pyramids in egypt and there are pyramids in the aztec regions of mexico Mm -hmm. why is it that every culture has animals that they made up that are mythical why is that so ubiquitous? Because you 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 always run into animals, right? And that that's probably the most. I'm always inter- running into animals. I'm trying to get to work. <laughs> They're just like everywhere. <laughs> yeah, but that's how it was back in the day. You make the joke, Adrian, but that's how it was back in the day, living in the woods or whatever they were doing. That was like probably the most interesting dynamic thing they saw each day because they were pretty used to their surroundings to some extent. So like I don't know, they, a lot of people still worship the sun, even though it just works like clockwork, just up every day, down every day. Oh <laughs> uh, damn, that's true. That's true. You know what? You just big facted me. I'm down. I'm down for the count. Bah. Um, yeah, no, it makes sense. I think it's it's very similar. I I, I don't I didn't think this was what I was going to come into talking about, but the parallels to religion of like. I can't explain this shadowy thing I saw in the night, so I'm going to assume it's this winged creature or whatever that I, at the out of the corner of my eye, it looked like it had hooves, even though it could fly, and so this is a new thing now. I don't know. It's very reminiscent to that. That, that just seems to happen everywhere. The path the sun takes across the sky is dynamic and evolves through the seasons. Bam, I'm back in. I've proved you wrong. It is a <laughs> dynamic phenomena. All right, all right, all right. Oh. That's true. They are always talking about how... Uh... <laughs> Hot Sky Daddy stays longer during the summer, but he leaves early during the winter. He gets sad. Paul, what were the what were the urban legend, mythical creature types things from South Carolina? What we had like Lizard Man, yep, or something like that. We had Lizard Man. Uh, I don't remember where he was from. Not not Lexington, somewhere else. <laughs> Certainly not Lexington. No, we had a Boombox guy. I think you're thinking of that Spike Lee movie. I think you're thinking of Do the Right Thing. Uh, no, Boombox guy was a guy on the USC campus who would ride around with his boombox. We had. I never saw him though, so I don't know if he's actually real. Didn't you say you were gonna do research before this episode? Because I did no research. I also watched one documentary called Sasquatch on hulu but it turned out to be a bait and switch where the real monster was humanity damn i just listened to the song sasquatch by earl sweatshirt (laughs) that's all i did another parallel to religion is that a lot of mythical creatures seem to be like things that are meant to scare children that like take you away in the night if you're bad or just generally Mm. like if you wander away from your mom this like winged bat creature will like take you into the netherworld Back when we had to scare sailors into not being bad sailors, we made up the Kraken. Mm. And the sirens. Oh, yeah, that was the uh, first mermaids were the sirens. Like, they would Mm -hmm. sing, then they would drown you. Mm -hmm. That's a bitch move. I I don't care for these sirens. (laughs) I'm going to take a hard stance right now about these sirens. Not a fan. Not a fan. I I personally would not advocate singing really pretty to get men to come close to you and then drowning them. But that's just me. What do y'all think? Hit us up in the comments. <laughs> um, Paul, if you had to problematically name one of the mythical creatures as your spirit animal, which one would you do? 
think I'd have to go with the Kraken. I like the Kraken. Okay. I, I think... would go in. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, if you have a good explanation, let me hear it. I think from a fear-based point of view of which one of these is like the most monstery to me, the Kraken is the coolest because of the whole like open oceans dynamic of like, I've always been kind of scared of like endless ocean and the Kraken kind of gets to, to that fear. Damn. Yeah, yeah. I would do Nessie because I like the idea of a mythical creature that's in a very defined area that mm. hasn't been found because it's just trying to live its life, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. like Nessie's, like, going around and people are trying to photograph her and she's like, hey, let me work, let me live. You know what I mean? When you look up pictures of that lake, the first thing you think is almost certainly. Drain the lake. <laughs> <laughs> like, that lake is not that big. Like, Loch Ness is a very, like, that's an achievable amount of size where we could figure out if something big lived in there. <laughs> um. And then um, there's also, there's, there's a lot of similar uh, cryptids to Nessie in that there's, a, I think, Bessie is one in, like, the Great Lakes region. Right. There's Nessie, Bessie, Jesse. <laughs> and then there's also uh, Mokla Membe in the Congo, who's very similar to Nessie in, like, size and shape. Mm. And uh, an interesting thing I read about that one is the uh, Mokli Membe in, in the Congo actually a lot of young earth creationists uh, travel to the Congo every year to try to find Mokli Membe because they believe that it's real and they believe that if they find it, they can prove that dinosaurs aren't extinct, thus proving a young earth argument and proving God is Wait, real. why don't they just pick up a chicken and show people that? Good point. Good point, Adrian. Dinosaurs still here, folks. But I think that works against them because that would mean evolution is real. Nah... <laughs> Okay. I don't know Good how point. their mind works. I don't know how their I mind mean, works. I mean, I don't I don't think they know how their mind works. Oof. They have not read Steven Pinker's book How Their Mind Works. Ugh. For Adrian, can you stop <laughs> giving Steven Pinker airtime on this show? <laughs> you know I hate that man. No, hold on. I had something to say though when you were talking about um one thing that I do think uh is interesting that I think has been adequately satirized is the idea that um like are there people in in Africa and in like asia and yes like there are Australia, people in africa and Oceania. Asia. yep yep there's people in all those places okay good so first step of my proof confirmed second are are americans and europeans like unique in their desire to like search for cryptids as opposed to being like fearful and like if i never see a cryptid a day in my life that's good that's fine <laughs> with me whereas like it's been satirized to the point where people will write fanfics about wanting to fuck bigfoot because of how much we have like this obsession with like finding him and proving that he's real and putting our penises in his buns Oh, you think the obsession with finding Bigfoot is a uh, psychosexual one? No, I think that that's been a way to satirize the fact that, like, Americans are uniquely interested in, like, seeking out these creatures. Rather than being like, you know what, if I I don't see the thing that, like, carries my children away in the middle of the night, then I'm good. (laughs) Not to find a way to turn even this incredibly boring topic political, but it's colonizer mindset that's so ingrained (laughs) in us that we hear that there's a beautiful lone ape creature in the woods of Oregon and instead of letting it live its life, we want to find and control him mm. and exploit him. And then there are also like Native American uh, ones, right? Like what's the, um, oh my God, it's on the tip of my tongue. It's not a skinwalker. It's a uh... werewolf. No, 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 no. I don't, I don't know where werewolves are from, but I think somewhere in Europe. According to Stephanie Meyer, it's uh, a Washington tribe of Native Americans. Who have mixed feelings about uh, how they were portrayed. Oh, fuck. Hold on, hold on, hold on. 
The Wendigo. I should have remembered that because uh, Decca has a song named after it. It's like a thing that can like shapeshift and like shapeshifts into like familiar figures and stuff to like steal your soul or something. I don't know. I'm probably misrepresenting that. It possesses humans as punishment for being selfish and other stuff like that. So again, it's another punitive figure. It's another figure where like they're not looking, mm-hmm. they're not going out looking for the Wendigo. Did your did your parents tell you any stories like that when you were a kid? Told me about El Diablo. Adrian, that's that means the devil. That's a Christian thing. <laughs> oh shit. Well, he's pretty scary. I mean, he can be fun. He can be fun. He knows how to make hot sauces. <laughs> I will say that. A lot of competing brands, too. A lot of different hot sauces. He can sauces. make a real good hot sauce. He, honestly, somebody needs to talk to his agent about just picking one brand to sponsor and not sponsoring so many different hot sauces. Um. Okay, so another thing. Again, I don't know why this is where my mind is at. Another religion thing. But my being tickled by Mormonism for being relatively new um i remember finding out about um who's the guy from the video game tall boy slender man slender man yeah yeah that felt like a very much internet inspired urban myth that i think created the same amount of not impact well i don't know we can't say long lasting but like you know it has the same kind of thing where like i got told as a kid have you heard about this thing that exists we went out walking in the woods um and then someone said they saw it, and then we, like, ran back to the house or whatever as little children. So, like, it had a very similar effect as um, what, what other cryptids can sometimes do for people. Yeah, yeah, I remember similar to that. And I think Slender Man is—he's he's not a creature or beastly, so I guess he's not usually considered a cryptid. He's more, uh, he's more of a spirit, but I do remember— He's more of a vibe. He's more of a vibe. He's more of a bop. I do remember once a thing I would like to do when I was younger. I don't know if I ever did this with you. We might have been hanging out when we were too old to do this, but uh, we'd go into the woods behind my house and everybody, like, no flashlights, no phone, no nothing. And the game was basically just in the dead of night to walk as far as you could in the pitch black woods before you got scared and felt like you had to go back. And then before you, you got scared or kidnapped. And then the whole thing was like to try to freak each other out like you'd walk in complete silence. And inevitably one person would be like, oh shit, did you hear that? Or did you see that over there? And then it was just a game to, of like tr- like trying to amp each other up and freak each other out. And I did that with one of our mutual uh, acquaintances once, uh, Sean. And uh, he got so scared and kept being like, I don't want to play this. I don't want to play this. And then he got so scared. He punched me. <laughs> Jesus. Because he thought you were something or he I just didn't I, like that I you... think he just didn't like that. I kept being like, nah, come on. We got to keep going. The real monster is us. <laughs> <laughs> the real monster is peer pressure. I guess, uh, I guess so. It, it is crazy that I think his fight or flight instinct just went haywire and he didn't know how to get back without me showing him how. So he just punched. Damn. Well, unrelated to this episode, was that the first time you've been punched, Paul? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I mean, like by friends, I've been punched like neighborhood scraps, pretty sim, uh, pretty frequently. <laughs> Even orphan in London? What do you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You fight with people in your neighborhood. All right, Paul. Any final thoughts about cryptids or mythical beasts, mythical creatures? No, and I think this is very telling about our personalities because I think this topic is very much in the. Uh, in the realm of what's supposed to be interesting podcast conversation, like people love shit about cryptids and people love shit about like 
Bigfoot and stuff. But to me and you, I think it's we have very little to say and we don't find this type of thing like very interesting. I don't listen to any of those like monsters or like ancient spooky thing podcasts. Do you? Um, it is a like fourth of the material on last podcast on the left, but they're usually not my favorite episodes. I mostly like when they read the fanfics and the creepypastas about like the Mothman and stuff that are pretty fun. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I did some uh, I did some looking into the Mothman. He's the uh, he's the Zoomer. He's a Zoomer cryptid. Wait, no, he's old. Wait, do you mean he's like popular with Zoomers? Or that he's like... popular with Zoomers. There's a statue of him uh... in Virginia, I want to say, that has it has like a really nice ass. And that's become <laughs> popular for like taking TikToks next to. That's pretty dope. Uh, do you want to... So we're going to jump into columns. Do you want to... Uh... Do you have a strong opinion about going first or second? I want to go second. Okay, I'll go first then. So I brought in a column that was a another one of the pseudo art project columns, which we've had a couple where somebody answers from a perspective that's not theirs or as some sort of like ongoing uh as some sort of ongoing project delving into a character or into a story. And so this advice column is by H.P. Lovecraft, and it's H.P. Lovecraft answers your relationship questions. Specifically, I think the uh, conceit of the column is that uh, this person, H.P. Lovecraft, actually wrote this column, and this person unearthed it. And I think if you read through all of them, there's like an ongoing storyline. That's cool. Wait, has that been done before? I'm not sure. But this is from like 2014, and the person who wrote them took them all down, and the only thing I could find was a Reddit thread where people were pretty much trashing on it. Damn. It didn't blow up. People didn't love it. Anyway. They didn't... You, you could say that it was more hate craft than Lovecraft. Ain't that the truth. Paul, you a fan of Lovecraft? I've never read a Lovecraft novel. I'm a, I'm a fan of I'm a fan of the aesthetic, for sure. Um, I think my main thing... My main associations with him are... My roommate used to do a and d campaign that was... Ba- or it was a role-playing game that was based on a, a Lovecraft... Uh, Call of Cthulhu. Uh, no, it was like a weird one. It was like it was like a kitten-based game, but had like a Cthulhu world around it or something like that, or a Lovecraftian world around it. I don't know. They were all kittens. I didn't pay too much attention to it. I was never around for it. Um, and then also, um, I know that it's very inspirational to a lot of the horror that I like. So it's very much in the same way that I don't respect any of the classics of uh, comedy or hip-hop or anything else that I really enjoy. I know that it's like fundamental to the uh, to what I know today about horror. All right, so I'll jump into the question I found. Dear Howie, my girlfriend has metamorphosized into a kind of polyhedron with many pairs of feelers, membranous wings, and fanged orifices on stalks. Should I talk to her about this or keep hoping it's just a phase? Snapshot enclosed. Amateur photographer. Can we see that snapshot? Sadly, they didn't. They didn't include it, Adrian. Well, goddamn, because the idea of fanged orifices, that's just a mouth with tooth, with a tooth, right? That would be a fanged orifice. Oh, is <laughs> this like one of those things where the person says like, uh, I want to ban dihydrogen monoxide. And then the chemistry professor is like, that's H2O. You think this person's just describing a normal human with like very fancy words? No, because I don't think we have multiple of those. So it would be concerning if people had multiple mouths. But okay. I, I do like the fact that if you're overly reductionist about it, <laughs> it could just be someone with two mouths. And what was the, what was the poly, polygonal figure? A dodecahedron? Polyhedron. Oh, okay, so just any amount of points. Yeah. Does it give the age? Is this like a puberty thing? Uh, no, I mean, you heard it. It was a pretty short question. I, I think what I like about this uh, this fake question is it, it does get to the heart of what makes a lot of uh, columns, advice columns, silly, which is like, 
when they're clearly like the right a answer. A lack of information. There's clearly a right answer here. If your girlfriend was actually morphing into a Lovecraftian monster, <laughs> you shouldn't date her. And I feel like wow. that's kind of the problematic, joke. Paul. That's kind of the joke they're playing off of, which is when somebody writes in a question that seems to have like a very like my girlfriend like sometimes says really mean things to me that are very hurtful, but then she'll say she's sorry later. Like, uh, sh- should I be worried about this? Like, it's mm. that version of that question taken to its extreme. Yeah, no, I totally get that. Um, mm, interesting. So you're saying that you, you see this as a satirization of normal yeah. uh, questions. Of right. Like, the describing something incredibly concerning with a, like, I kind of get it's concerning, but what do you think, <laughs> Toad? You're saying like, that this is, like, the song, maybe I think their most popular song on Spotify. I haven't checked recently. Uh, by Christian rock band Skrillex uh, called Monster, where he talks metaphorically about how he has a monster going in him, which, since they're a really lame, uh, since they're a really dumbass Christian band, I assume means that, like, he wants to try having sex or something for the first Mm. time. Who can only, I can only wonder. (laughs) Um, He got his first boner. That's what he means by there's a monster growing in me. uh, (laughs) It's actually just a really braggadocious song (laughs) how big his penis is. Yeah, no, I, I like that perspective. I think that's I think that's a that's a smart way to uh, interpret the question. Um, but you said this was actually originally answered by Lovecraft, or what did you say was the context of it? I mean, this is written by an author, but the joke, it, like mm-hmm. the the description for the column is, "Hey, look, I've just it's like a lemony snicket presentation of like kind of making the like." I'm intro. just presenting material I found. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But I definitely they're... didn't write every single person's dialogue in this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. Well, then, um, um, okay, well, then I guess based on what you said about the, the way that it ended up being received, I'm guessing that the answer is really dumb or something that like people really didn't like the like flares and flourishes that they tried to take to sound like Lovecraft or like either that, like either it's not, um, in Lovecraft's voice enough, or I'm assuming that like, it's just badly written, but, um. Yeah, let's we'll, stick to. We'll jump into it. Um, he oh, does. Are we, he, are we doing multiple, or are we just? Uh, are we doing just? Doing we this we, one? we could try another one after this one, but I'll read the answer first. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, this one is also. I think I said it at the beginning, but just to note, it's Dear Howie. So I guess Lovecraft's HP is must have been Howard P. Lovecraft. Mm. Um, I don't know if anybody actually called him Howie in real life, or if that's just I like thought a the joke H standard for Hoobastank. All right, I'm just gonna start reading. The, I'm, I'm sorry, I tried to. I'm sorry, I tried to have an interesting conversation that could have potentially been educational about something you can Google and you can get on Wikipedia in a second. Adrian, I'm trying to educate our audience. Mm. Dear amateur photographer, I do not know how long it. I do not know long. I do not know long it was. Okay. Once again, I'm going to have to do on-the-fly editing for the <laughs> mistaken grammar. Why does nobody have an editor? This guy's also a published author. I do not know how long it was before I dared to inspect your snapshot. Once I did, I immediately fell wholly to the floor. How much time passed after that, do not ask me to guess. But a momentary fragment of memory shows me racing dementedly past a long stone colonnade towards a curious hummock. After that, mercifully, all is blackness. My aunts discovered me beside a nearby megalith, with my faculties paralyzed, a mark on my forehead bespeaking all too vividly the ravages of some snail-like marsupial. It was months before I regained the ability to talk any language but Proto-Algonquian. 
Now my senses have somewhat cleared. I recommend you break things off with your fiancé as tactfully as possible, not letting her suspect you have noticed any change or blemish. Hers is such an image as, but I cannot go on. I have barricaded myself indoors, and I hope never to look at another photograph or touch any variety of leafy vegetable. Even Delgard's worst prophecies fell short of this unspeakable reality. A rank odor now pervades everything. The hill resonates with sustained pre-human howling, and I keep losing my place in the unrecommended Codex of Narg. H.P. Lovecraft. All right. First thing I'm going to say, you going to let him talk about your girl like that? <laughs> yeah, bruh. Bruh. Bro? Bro. Have some bro. goddamn respect for yourself. Just because she has some fanged orifices and freckles? Did he mention freckles, or did I put that on myself? <laughs> <laughs> some fanged orifices and slightly crooked teeth. Those are the t- <laughs> Let's do one more column. I think I might also need to try out two on mine, too, to see how well we... All right. Might be a little bit of a trial and error episode. Moving on to another question. Master, I'm Jean Yu, who has long delved into the annals of subterranean lore, conducting forbidden research into the unknown with a view to resurrecting aeon-silent interplanetary necromancer lizards. Why is it so hard for me to get a date? Signed, Uncanny Voyager. I like this one. <laughs> um, what do you think his answer is when people ask, like, either excitedly or, like, questioningly, why is your research forbidden? I think he said that's part of, <laughs> that's part of what makes it forbidden. Ooh. You know, you gotta be okay. a little spicy. You gotta be a little playful, a little flirty. So are you saying that I should, like, start doing research with, like, fish that, like, I don't get approved by Aya Cook, and so it's technically forbidden research? <laughs> that way I can be like, I do forbidden research. <laughs> Wait, what is that? Is that, like, some sort of agency that decides what things feel, like, don't feel, feel too much pain to be done research on or something? Yeah, which you don't have to do for honeybees. Like, I can do whatever I want. Whereas, like, if I was studying, like frogs or something i would have to like submit a whole report of like this is what i'm planning to do for my research is it approved or not oh damn 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 yeah (laughs) your research can't be just to see what frogs do when you stab them in the eye repeatedly (laughs) that's not without that's not out of the bounds of earlier research (laughs) (laughs) those are called ablation experiments yeah jesus humans are those are like the old days of like well if we want to know if bats use their eyes to navigate or not then obviously the best way is to poke out their eyes and see if they can still navigate moving back to this right. lovecraftian horror thing why can this guy not get a date just because he's trying to uh i, I don't know is he trying dating apps that feels like he didn't mention anything that would explain <laughs> yeah. what his current dating strategy is yeah that's if he's looking problem. for women underground they're not there unless they're dead wait you see that as a you see that as a fungible replacement for live women no, I'm I'm not going to speak for him and what his preferences are. All I'm saying is, if you're looking for women, I would, I would suggest, uh, what's the, what's the sub what's the prefix for over, epi. I would suggest epiterranean searches. Mm, mm. That is true. That is true. I think that's some actionable advice. So, unless pretty... you're at a beach, in which case they might be buried in sand. <laughs> you're right. That is one of the places where <laughs> the women few who are alive are buried. <laughs> Fellas, write in in the comments different places where women who are alive could potentially be buried. Unless it's a very leafy fall and they just jumped into a pile of leaves, which I don't think either of those are technically subterranean, but anyways. So the answer is, would to God I had never opened your lonesome missive or any of the other. I lie gibbering on the seti, striving to blot from my Wait, are you just reading an Aesop Rock verse? <laughs> 
<laughs> I think that's what uh that's what the Reddit thread got at. That this guy is very Thesaurus heavy. Okay. I, I lie gibbering on the SETI, striving to blot from my consciousness your perverse admission, the most terrible quality of which is that it is penned in what is unquestionably my own handwriting. If that was not enough, your letter's acrid stench resembles that of the thing, if it is a thing that now slavers... God damn it, these big multisyllabic words. <laughs> that now slavers spasmodically against my window shutter. Yesterday I half glimpsed its nephrophagious shadow, and its contours are as terrible as that low whistling sound it makes, the ichor it exudes, and the interminable gnawings upon the doorknob. An outline that resembles a giant floret of Brock with queer appendages that are neither mouse nor talons. And despite being ill-equipped for the task, it has been alien rhythmically typing me some kind of message. Through some ultimate void, it tries to take control of my mind, while even now I hear it fumbling slobberingly with the letter box. My one consolation is that it has already devoured the rural free delivery man, so that I need not anticipate the arrival of any more of this vile and accursed correspondence. Yours truly, H.P. Lovecraft. Uh, Wait, do you if have it any ate, comments on that? If it, yeah, I have one. If it ate the delivery man, how'd he send the letter? This is like the end of Stan by Eminem, where it just doesn't make sense. So Eminem, by the end of that stanza, references, oh shit, I'm not going to be able to send that when Stan is rapping. Mm -hmm. The guy who wrote this didn't think that part through and write like a little part at the end that was like, oh, I guess I can't send this. They did sort of think about it, though, because I'm about to drink a fifth and I hope they dare me to drive after listening to that answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that was uh, a, a lot of thesaurus words. Uh, I'm not I'm not one of them writing reading type people. So that was classic episode of Friends where Joey learns how to use a thesaurus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is that what H.P. Lovecraft's books are like? Because I don't, I don't think I need to read a Lovecraft book if that's the, if that's the writing. I, don't, I can't imagine it is, but who knows? I've never actually gone to the source material. Mm. Any last comments on that poem? No, not really. I wouldn't recommend that column. It's also discontinued, and I had to use the Wayback Machine to even find an archive of it. So, I'm not, I'm not guessing a lot of people are going back to find it. All right. Well. I too am bringing you a column that will be hard to find, not super hard to find, but it's 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 available as a free PDF if you really want it. But um, this is an advice column where it ran for a while, starting like 2010 or maybe even earlier, and he took most of those like first few years of uh, advice columns, made them into a book that you can get for free on a PDF, or you can get a signed copy for like 15 bucks or something. And so this is Ask Doctor Eldritch. Oh, I ran through this. Yeah, it's on Google Books. You can find. I honestly, it's kind of weird that we're both bringing in projects rather than like we're both bringing in not real columns. What are you talking about? Oh, I hate to break it to you, Adrian. This is a this is a joke column that you're reading. Doctor Eldridge is one hundred percent real. <laughs> Doctor Eldridge is not. Well, he is real. He's a real person, but he's actually he never actually got his doctorate. Hey, neither did Bill Cosby, but <laughs> we're still talking about him. Um, okay, so yeah, real name Evan Nichols. This is Dr. Aldrich. Here's the introduction to his book. I'm frequently asked, why did you create an advice column to address unusual, supernatural, and mysterious situations often experienced by mythical creatures, secret agents, superheroes, and ordinary people in extraordinary circumstances? Well, I'm paraphrasing, of course, but that's the gist of the questions. 
Naturally, my answer is, because nobody else was doing it. More importantly, how could I not? Most people don't know the telltale signs that reveal when a close friend has been replaced by a doppelganger. Few are granted enough wishes to learn how to, wor how to word them properly. Learning by trial and error when dealing with werewolves tends to end mostly with fatal errors. Rather than make everyone reinvent the glitter thrower, I felt it only logical to share my background and expertise. If I save even one person from wandering unarmed into a murky basement when a psychopath is on the loose, I've done my job. What follows is the first collection of letters and responses from my advice column. Unlike books that address only zombies or robots, its subjects range from secret agent envy to gnome infestations. If you find any of this book amusing, I invite you to check out the website at askdreldrich.com. There you will find more of these columns, plus a long-running webcomic, and even more content may have been added since the book was published, such as podcasts, short videos, or graphic novels. This question has to do with a creature near and dear to my heart. And I'm going to read this. Um, I'm also going to do a bit of an art piece. I'm going to read this as a guy who uh, spent six months studying abroad in Spain. Does that sound okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, this is my impression of a guy who spent six months studying abroad in Spain. Dear Dr. Eldritch, I live in Mexico, near Texas. A year ago, our animals began to disappear. Sometimes we'd find them. They'd be drained of blood or torn with their insides gone. Everyone else in the village wanted to hunt down what was killing our animals, but they were afraid to go out in the dark. I sat up all night and saw a creature. It had bumps on its head and spines on its back. Its eyes were red. Sometimes it hopped very fast. I think it was the chupacabra. Wait, wouldn't somebody who, uh, who, who studied abroad in Spain for six months, wouldn't he call it the chupacabra? <laughs> uh, I guess maybe they'd say it was like the chupacabra. I mostly just wanted to do it for the first line of I live in Mexico, near Texas. <laughs> the next night, I left some meat on my patio. In the morning, the meat was gone. I did this several times. I started watching, and I saw the chupacabra come by and take the meat. Chupacabras suck blood, MF. You, you ain't got a chupacabra on your hand if he's eating meat. Chupacabras suck blood. They don't want... And like, what do you think is in, in meat? Not blood. No, that's in live animals. Like, you can't go get a cut of steak and put it out there for him. You know, if they work on a farm, they probably have animals with blood in their limbs. He didn't, can, like, chop he didn't say carcass. He said meat, which to me implies a cut. Well, that's just your privilege showing. <laughs> All right. I put the meat closer and closer to the house. He came almost to the house all the way and took the meat while I was standing in the door. I don't let it take food from my hand. Its teeth are big. He looks at me and I know he's not afraid. We are a village of farmers and ranchers. We don't bother anyone, but the others would kill it if they knew. When I feed it, no animals are taken. I think I should tell the others so we can take turns feeding him, and it won't hurt our animals. My cousin said to ask you if this is good. Help me, please. Sean Seamus O'Halloran McDougal is who's that from. I That flourish of saying, oh, my cousin told me to ask you to try to make it sound more like a real written question is honestly... It, nobody really ever includes stuff like that in advice column questions. I think I think I see what they were trying to go for. It wasn't a good flourish. It didn't add believability to say my cousin. I felt like he was like at the end of the column and he's like, oh, I need to round out the character. How would he have heard of me? 
and mm. then added that detail and it wasn't a necessary or good flourish because even if he had heard about you from his cousin he wouldn't mention that for the reader's sake are we not going to talk about how the person living in texas is named sean Seamus o'halloran mcdougall he's a he's a he's a, he's a irish texan the background the backbone <laughs> of the mexican economy <laughs> All right, so I actually had not read this question until we brought it in. Uh, I just saw that it was clearly like a chupacabra question based on the first uh, paragraph. Um, so I did not realize that it was about a Pixar story where a man befriends a chupacabra and tries to protect it from the rest of the village, despite his tendencies to eat uh, farm animals. Yeah, yeah, it's it's sweet, right? Yeah, it's kind of beautiful. Okay, so here's a story for the audience about Paul and chupacabras. I knew the chupacabra was a mythical creature growing up. And then I, in middle school, I was watching the History Channel and they had a documentary about the chupacabra, but it was one of those fake documentaries mm. that used like fake footage to make it look like the chupacabra was real. But I knew the chupacabra wasn't real. And my mind was like, I was like, what the fuck is going on right now? Like I was having so much trouble. It just broke little Paul's brain. And basically, because I was like, it's a history channel. This can't be like entertainment. They must, it, did they, in my young mind, my, my understanding was they must've accidentally let somebody make a documentary who was a crank. And then I realized later that, that that's something History Channel does where they actually gave the green light to a bunch of fake documentaries. They did the Chupacabra and the more famous one that blew up and it's got a lot of the mermaids one got a lot of clicks yeah. for like articles of like, has the History Channel gone too far with their fake mermaids documentary? No, I remember as a kid, I watched their dragons documentary and they like CGI'd footage of them finding like a dragon carcass in ice. And I thought as a kid that it was totally real. So we've all had this. They need to stop airing those documentaries. <laughs> I guess I don't. I, that might actually be the most resonant argument for me about things about impressionable youth <laughs> and the way that they don't understand, <laughs> like things that are presented to them as fact or fiction. Like that was the one thing where I was like, as a kid, I was like, wait, it's on the TV on the History Channel. Like that's the it was. It really is a History Channel thing. It's like a young me understood it. Something could be fake, but it was something about it being on the History Channel that really gave it. Oh no, that's that's like that channel that's not actually that fun to watch. That's uh... yeah, no, it's like when I read the New York Times right now, I'm like, well, why would they lie about anything? <laughs> they're, they're they're the paper of record. They're the paper of record. The Gray Lady. <laughs> <laughs> tomorrow the front page of the new york times <laughs> chupacabras discovered <laughs> um yeah 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 i don't know paul what do you how much uh, what kind what kind of legs do you think this story has as a as a pixar movie because we've already done coco so i think if they're gonna do another like latin american thing i feel like they really need to do like an argentine colombian venezuelan like they need to go a little bit further down uh we did we did up which was in peru Right? I don't know. They landed somewhere I think in South they did. America. I think they landed in Peru. So that's out. We already did uh, Central America with with Emperor's New Groove. You're right. Why am I complaining about representation? I'm like all in there. <laughs> I have David Spade <laughs> representing me as a uh, llama. <laughs> Meanwhile, we just have Aladdin for Arabs. Is that true? Yeah, I can't think of any other one. Cars. <laughs> Wait, do you think do you think Islam exists in the Cars universe? Do you think there's a Muslim car with a turban? Almost certainly that 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 shows up as a background character. 
Do you think do you think the House of Sod exists in the Cars universe and there's an oil tanker who's like who's, <laughs> who's Mohammed bin Salman? That's, yeah, that probably. I feel like there's certainly an Italian car. I think as long as there's a known autom- automobile manufacturer from the Middle East, they probably have representation in like a Carms movie. Because like the third one's like an international spy drama, right? So like they're probably going all around the world. And there's at least like a little like sight gag of something like that. Yeah, there has to be a sight gag. Like there's a, the, like even if they don't stop in Paris, you know, they have a scene where there's somebody eating a baguette and they right. have like a tiny mustache for like uh, the Paris also, scene or something like that. Have you heard about this thing that I... um. Have you, uh, Casey Kasem, who uh, Casey Neistat, the blogger? No, no, Casey Kasem. That's a fake name. No, so imagine I said Casey Neistat, but I said the name that I said describing the person that I'm talking but, about. But that's a fake person <laughs> with a fake name. Yeah, that's well, they're all made up. He was the person who uh, quit his job as a voice artist on Transformers in the 1980s because, as a Lebanese American, he did not like how Middle Easterners were portrayed on the show. Specifically, Middle Easterners from the Socialist Democratic Republic of Karbamia. What the fuck? <laughs> this is a real thing. Have you heard about this? <laughs> Socialist Democratic Republic of Karbamia? Yeah, yeah. Check it out. Check it out. Google it if you need to. Like, you know, really sink it in as a real thing that happened. That's awesome. Oh my god. You know, for all those Lindsay Ellis videos of her complaining about, like, how sexist the modern Transformers is, she never mentioned that in her roundup of the 70s version. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Um, okay. Anything else from <laughs> going away from the tangents of this? Uh, yeah, this is a... I, I, like, I like the writing for this question a little bit more than my art column question. I think, uh, I think that was well done. Um... And, I mean, my advice to this person is, no, don't tell anybody. Befriend the Chupacabra and keep him for yourself so that when something else happens and there's, like, a B-plot, you can solve it by being, like, the person who knows how to communicate with the Chupacabra. Like, slowly develop, like, hand signals to communicate with him. Uh, little things. So you're saying do a, uh, a a master plan from Shredder in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle gritty reboot where you're the only one who can save the city because you have the antidote to the yeah I was more thinking the... if I'd watched the uh I, I just watched King Kong versus Godzilla the new uh Kong versus Ooh. Godzilla movie and the who wins uh you know they both win at the end it's actually kind of a beautiful message uh they win by working together mm. but the little girl learns to uh <laughs> learns to communicate with King Kong by doing sign language even though he's a terrifying beast um, okay, Paul, do you want to hear the answer? I do want to hear the answer. Dear Sean Seamus, I usually advise to live and let live, but there are some things that just do not. Sure, your neighborhood freeloading cryptid seems content with the meat you leave out. So far. To it, however, there's never anything as good as jumping on some warm, living thing, ripping its throat, and savoring the warm taste of bloody death. By feeding this predator, it is associating you with food. Do you see how that could lead to trouble? It's like wearing a t-shirt that reads, Hi, I'm lower on the food chain. I'm a little beta-ass cuck. Come eat me. Even though it might appear to have emotions, this carnivore feels no remorse. It doesn't see you as a friend, just food it hasn't eaten yet. Your best bet is to kill your night-stalking mooch as soon as possible. You can invite other neighbors to help, but your target may sense them and be spooked. If you're not familiar with firearms, have someone show you. A short-barreled shotgun is good. Allow enough ammunition to kill it thoroughly. 
40 to 50 shells should do it. Mr. Chupacabra will likely be wary, so you'll have to move quickly but calmly. Shoot until it drops, then shoot some more. There's no benefit in scrimping. And once you think it's dead, don't lean in close to check. If it's alive, it'll be cranky. I'm sorry you have to terminate your new feral pet, but let live only works if both sides adopt that policy. This way, you won't end up as the special du jour at the all-he-can-eat chupacabra buffet. Good luck, and let me know how it comes out, Dr. Eldritch. That's not a Pixar movie. Yeah, I didn't like that one bit. That was so mean to the chupacabra. Yeah. What does it say about our culture that all the narratives and stories we tell about Bigfoot are about, like, befriending him and him enriching you and then having to, like, tearfully get him to leave by going, get get out of here. Never loved you in the first place. And all our stories about chupacabras are about us, are about us murdering them. What does it say about how we treat Hispanic? Are you just referencing Harry and the Hendersons? <laughs> no. <laughs> That was my own situation. I oh, that was your up. own personal situation that you've had with Bigfoot? Yeah, that's the that's situation I've had with my own Bigfoot. He brought you and your dad closer together, and he taught your sister self-confidence, and he taught your mom that... <laughs> I don't even know. No, my situation was different than all those things, but the the similarities start and end with the having to make him leave. <laughs> Kicking him out of your house? After befriending him. Okay, all right. <laughs> Um, I can dig that. What does that say? I, I, I'll tell you what. Um, he's just trying to live like everybody else, you know? I know, yeah. Why are we villainizing the Chupacabra? Is it because of our fear of outsiders? No, I always thought this is one of those ones where it had a less problematic underlying tone and that it was really just like wolves that come to eat livestock and you had to come up with a more like mythical interpretation of it because most farmers would be like i'm not gonna let some bitch ass wolf eat my fucking livestock you should have seen this chupacabra this was a big fucking chupacabra i've I... I never been to new york but i think this thing is about as big as king kong <laughs> so yeah i don't really have well i do have a lot of problems with that answer i didn't like it i don't agree with it don't do that be, be friends with the chupacabra. Why would you... Sh don't draw first blood. Well, isn't don't this also super, like, super American, right? Like, isn't what he said, like, technically, like, probably what the practical advice would be if the chupacabra was real is, like, you should probably just, like, kill that bitch. No, because if I was in Africa in a place with a bunch of endangered lions, I would understand that my sheep do are not more important than the endangered species that could potentially bring in a lot of tourist money oh, to the area. so you see that the chupacabra is an endangered species because it's so rarely seen yeah clearly if the chupacabra was real it would be incredibly endangered all right so paul you have a third segment for us i've brought in a sort of a a questionnaire for adrian a delve into adrian's psyche and it'll be through the paradigm of i will give him one activity and two cryptids. So you'll tell me which one of the cryptids would win at that activity. They're all competitive activities. One could describe them as competitions. Competitions. Yes. Competitive activity or competition for the layman. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll go ahead and start. I have six different activities and 12 different cryptids. Okay. So I'm going to random generate. And I'll give you a description of the cryptid if it's not something you're super familiar Sweet, with. Sweet. Sounds good. All right, so so pickleball is our activity. 
Are you allowed to describe what the competition is to me or <laughs> just the cryptids? Oh yeah, pickleball is like this new sport that's becoming big uh with people it's like you kind of you play it on a tennis court but with like ping pong paddles. G- give it a quick Google Aruno. The first cryptid we got is an IMesh. IMesh is a cryptid from Patagonia. And it is a nocturnal animal that's said to be able to seize horses with its claws and drag them to the bottom of the water. It has a short head, big canine teeth, and no external ears. Its feet are short with three toes on the forefeet and four on the hind. And it kind of looks like a... I don't know how to describe it. You should Google a picture of it. It looks like a... It looks like if you made a ferret massive and scary. Oh, it just looks like a giant otter. Yes. Except they can kill horses by dragging them to the bottom of the water. And... So our next one is the dingo neck, D-I-N-G-O-N-E-K. It's a creature to have been said to live next to Lake Victoria in 1907 by big game hunter John Alfred Jordan and members of his hunting party. It looks like a armadillo. It looks like a dragony water armadillo, like a dragon tiger water armadillo. I'm not going to lie. It really frustrates me that they haven't made this into a Pokemon yet because this thing looks fucking badass. It looks like something straight out of the Monster Hunter video games. Yeah, it's it's really dope. So between the IO mission and the Dingo Neck, which one would win in Pickleball, Adrian? Oh. They both have what seem like rather flexible tails. The Dingo Neck has more spikes coming out for maybe more of like a coverage in its stroke. Honestly, that's a good question. It's a good question. It's a, it's a pretty fair match. Um, I, from the video that I watched, um, Pickleball is a is a double sport. So I don't know if they have someone who complements their skill set, but if it's just one-on-one playing pickleball, fully fair fight, I think almost just because of intimidation, the the Dinganek is probably going to take it. They're both like water creatures, so no one gets like the terrestrial edge. All right. Um... So for our next uh, for our next activity, the our two creatures are going to be playing guys' grocery games. Okay. Uh, Guy Fieri's Guy Fieri's uh televised game show with where that you sport. have to do cooking game shows um so what two creatures are going to be playing guys grocery well there's also there's check. also a trivia portion and a you have to find things around the grocery store based on a uh a yeah this, they have to do all of okay. them okay it's a real te- it's a real triathlon okay so the first creature we have is a jersey devil okay i know what that one looks like and the second creature we have is the kraken so the Jersey Devil versus the Kraken at Guy's Grocery Games. And I assume he's going to have a big enough... Well, actually, no. No, the Kraken's going to have to figure out how to do this in a normal-sized grocery store. Hmm. Hmm. So the Jersey Devil can fly, but it's got hooves, which are bad for, you know, like, holding on to things. Whereas I feel like I'm honestly surprised that, you know, maybe it's one of those things where, like, there needs to be enough time after Ratatouille, but the idea of a cooking octopus seems almost like a low-hanging fruit oh yeah because each dependent like one has a spatula one has a he's his own sushi yeah yeah where have i where have i seen the image that's in my head of like a sushi chef octopus is that monsters inc where he's like they go to the sushi restaurant and he's just like chopping all the shit maybe um okay i'm gonna say pretty definitively assuming the kraken the kraken is a cephalopod it's one of the smartest creatures on earth especially given the absolute brain size Given the tentacles and its flexibility, its adaptability, its size, given that like it can basically touch anything in the grocery store at like one time, I think the Kraken's gonna win that easy. 
Okay. Yeah, and I think I agree with you. Considering the Jersey Devil doesn't have arms, we're really... We're, it was an interesting combination of something with too many arms versus something with no arms. All right. Uh, I can buy that logic. So next up, we have the competition. They are playing Halo 2 on Xbox 360, and no screen peeking is allowed. Okay. No screen peeking allowed. Can I ask you a question? How important is it that people in the audience know that it's Halo 2 on the Xbox 360? I think it's... Uh, well, I mean, you're going to be answering based off that information. <laughs> okay. So You can just say Halo on the Xbox? Anyway, we got the Loch Ness Monster. Ooh, a classic. For a classic video game, we got a classic monster. Mm-hmm. And then we also have the Loch Ness Monster versus... Ooh, another classic. We got the two heavyweights up against each other playing playing Halo 2. We got the Loch Ness Monster up against Bigfoot slash Sasquatch. Uh, okay, cool. So I love that the first thing that comes up is the two heavily debunked images. <laughs> of uh, How could the Loch Ness Monster be that small? <laughs> why, would anyone, why is that the most famous image? <laughs> and why is the most famous image of the Bigfoot like clearly just a dude in a suit? <laughs> Who looks at the camera directly to be like, jimming it to the camera like, can you believe these guys? <laughs> to give it a wink. It doesn't even look like he's wearing a monkey suit. It looks like he's wearing a heavy jacket. <laughs> Tops. That's so fucking stupid. Okay. Uh, what are they What are they competing at? Halo 2 on the Xbox 360. With no screen peeking allowed. Now, if one of them's a cheater and screen peeks anyway, you know that's hard to catch. So... Can we not do like a tournament setup where they're on like different, <laughs> on like opposite ends of the room? No, this isn't a land party. I would have mentioned if it was. I don't know what that means, but that clearly means something to you. So I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> um. Okay. Here's what I'll say. First of all, everyone, every single person who bought a Bigfoot COVID safe champion since 1995 uh, t-shirt. You guys are very funny. That is very funny. He's very socially distanced. Mm -mm. that being said this goes back to what i said earlier of like you can kind of get at this based on which one can just hold a controller <laughs> this one's a very terrestrial versus like you know don't get me wrong if this was water polo bigfoot you're not down and out completely there's still a chance for you but Loch ness if this is playing halo 2 on the xbox if it was halo 1 maybe um, <laughs> just because of like the weapon options and the, um, the responsiveness of the controller. But if this is Halo 2 on the Xbox 360, especially with the graphic resolution, I mean, you know, Bigfoot is a terrestrial mammal. Like he has to have visual resolution as one of his main perceptive, um, uh, ways of sensing his environment. Whereas Loch Ness, like eyes aren't that important under the water. So like clearly she's just detecting colors and light intensity. Um, and so given the resolution of an Xbox 360, clearly Bigfoot's going to kick Nessie's fucking ass, bro. I buy that logic. I think you've, uh, I think you've gotten to the heart of the heart of the situation. I'm calling it now 3-0. I don't know how you judge Halo battles, but 3-0. All right. And we only have one activity and one combination left. Which one will win in boxing? And it's actually two perfect ones left for boxing. Will it be Mothman? Mothman of TikTok fame for having a nice ass in one of his uh in one of his depictions in a statue in Virginia. Or with it will it be Lizard Man of Scape or Swamp, the South Carolina hero. 
<laughs> well, now I'm a little bit biased, I feel like. I'm not gonna lie, dude. I think Lizard Man, he looks slender and like he's got good endurance and shit. But you're right, dude. In these statues, the Mothman's got a straight up six pack and pecs, bro. <laughs> like, if the Mothman can get one good punch in and then use like his like wings to shield himself, like fucking Lizard Man's gone, bro. That that dude can't handle that that dude can't handle the heat. Uh Mothman. Mothman, I'm gonna say with a um TKO in the second round. Damn, oh, you don't even think it's coming down to the judges. He's taking it home with a knockout. Okay, well, uh, there you go, uh, folks. Adrian has no South Carolina pride. He'll he'll give it to a stupid Virginia Mothman over a local town hero like Lizard Man. I guess I'm just unbiased like that. All right, um, Adrian. I think I think you I think you utilized all your big brain biology energy, biologist energy. You utilized all your knowledge of zoology, uh, and biology, of cryptography, uh, to, cryptocurrency, to yeah, cryptocurrency, <laughs> Ethereum, NFTs. Really put that degree to work. Yeah, you really put that degree to work. Four years, University of South Carolina, and I think, I think the dean is proud. Big fact, no cap. Let's get out of here. Did we learn anything today at all? No. If anything, we've gotten dumber. Big fact. Much like the subreddit Who Would Win, which is a subreddit about deciding which superheroes would win in a fight against each other Ugh. and kind of used by nerds to do little fun uh, creative writing experiments. These hypotheticals are interesting only for a very fleeting moment before you realize none of this is real. It doesn't matter. We're all going to die. Why am I doing this with my time? My no cap is if you're trying to figure out what's going on with your relationship, replace your partner with a Lovecraftian monster and see see if you still feel the same way. Fellas, ladies, my NBs, am I right? All right. All right. Yeah, I'm I'm good. Bye, buddy. It was a good time. Bye, bruh. Full of some lost souls, Sergeant of all his ottoman, not just Nolly the pothole. Not cooperative with his mama's wishes for college and coppers label the problems is paying for Damianos. So shimmy through the swamp, nigga, follow me through the foxholes. More Orenthal with a pretty bitch in a Bronco. Hopped right off the seven and stumbled into some vatos. Threw a punch, got jumped, dusted off, and then walked home. Shit. It's like 6 p.m. and his temple throbbing. Hand in the cabinet by seven, sniff the prescription oxys. Logo in the boxes, all my niggas hostile. Cautious of your crosses, scoffing at your doctrines. Bitches all.